Welcome to Layout, a podcast about design, technology, and everything else. I'm Rafa. And I'm Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> Joking, I'm Frederica. <laughs> and in this episode, we talked to Freddie about her moving away from tech into art. All right. Hi, Freddie. Welcome back to the show. Hi, hi. Um, it's been a while, huh? Yeah, it's been a while because, you know, so first it's, it has been a while, but then we also took a break from the podcast for a bit and then we came back and yeah. we do it less often now. So it's been, yeah, it feels like, when was it? W weren't we like deep into the pandemic days or something? I'm not sure. Maybe it was even before the pandemic when I joined last time for an episode. I remember I was joining because... I think Illustrator for yeah. iPad had come out. Yeah, that's that's true. So whenever that was. <laughs> Do you still use Illustrator on your iPad? Update, I never use it. Okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> Follow up. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, we're going to put a link in the show notes to that episode for people to listen yeah. to. I'm not going to say it's bad. I just never really reach for it. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, we know that uh, people can't use the iPad for real work. Well, I use it, I guess, if I do illustration jobs. If. Haha. <laughs> um, hey. Hey. Um, and then I use it, like, all the time. I used to use the iPad, like, really daily. Yeah, you were big on Procreate, right? For yeah. all the illustration 100%. stuff. Yeah, 100%. It's so good. It's yeah. still so good. It's still the best one ever. Like, when... Yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe at some point, Adobe will buy that because it's just so much better. But... Ugh. Yeah. Don't, don't, Who knows? Don't project things into the world. But hey, uh, <laughs> this is topical, and I actually don't want to talk about it. But you know, they just Apple just uh, announced the Logic and Final Cut. Yeah, I saw that actually. It only took them like ten years or something. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, but it did it. When I saw the announcement, I was like, "That's so funny." In my mind, this was already there. They shifted. They launched the iPad with Pages and Keynote and I, the whole iWork suite. But that was it. And then they did a garage band and whatever iMovie, but they never really went for the pros. For me, the most uh, interesting part of that announcement, and God damn it, we're talking about tech all the ugh, it's tech a fine. news. What what is this? Uh, but we <laughs> this is not what we get paid for. Um, the more the most interesting part of that announcement for me is that they shipped only on iPad, so there's no iPhone version, Final right? Apple, which sets, in my opinion, a healthy precedent. And expectations um and then also they went with the subscription model like a monthly or annual subscription thing yeah um which also sets i don't know if a healthy uh, uh precedent but it's interesting that, that they are kind of defining how to charge for pro apps on, on the ipad i guess i mean kind of quite in a way they're yeah. following what everyone else is doing right like True. i mean as an example, Procreate is the one that you would buy once and then keep. And then Sketch had a different model. I don't know if they still do it. You probably know. But where you pay per edition. Yeah, I have no idea. I have to check. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, you... <laughs> right, version. They, sorry, not edition. Yeah, before... Yeah, Sketch was started as a pay once. And then they went for... Uh, you pay... I think it was like $99 and you get a year worth of upgrades. Yeah, I remember it was um, 50 euros. And I remember thinking, wow, I wish there was a way to send them more money. Because I feel yeah. like this is very low for something I use daily. Used to use daily to make all my money. Oh, there is now. Yeah. Um, and But the thing that I like about that then was that you were still allowed to use old versions. Which actually mm. I saw recently that Adobe is going to try and... 
make it illegal for you to use a, a previous version. So that's interesting. Yeah. I wonder Very what this is going to huh? be like for these new apps indeed, because I think this might be a new model for Apple pricing model. I think so too. And, and to be honest, I think for apps like these pro apps, like Final Cut on the Mac is, I think, like $200 or something. Right. Um, uh, like one-time purchase, which sounds very expensive like the most expensive app i've ever paid for but at the same time like i've paid for that like 10 years ago or 15 years ago exactly like and on a yearly so, basis how expensive is it really and i think on the mac because of the history because of just context and whatever like that's how things have been done before i think people can still get get away with it by charging like a one-time thing a very expensive yeah uh, thing but on the ipad if these new apps were like $200 on the App Store, on the iPad, no one no. would ever pay for that. Because just that's not how people see exactly. Um, apps. Yeah. I could see it go like that they would be- bake it in with a regular version and then make the regular version like 100 euros more per, year, per mm. purchase or whatever. But yeah, or that you could buy a bundle or something. Mm. But indeed, I don't think a lot of people are going to you know, like I don't have this software for my Mac, but I would be tempted mm-hmm. to at least try it for a month on my iPad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could just pay like whatever, whatever it is, five bucks for a month. Yeah, I can even see. imagine that it would be a gateway for me to get it on my Mac as well. Yeah, I I don't really like I don't really use Final Cut much anymore. I used to a lot in Logic as well. I used to edit all of these episodes all the way out with logic but then i switched to using ferrite on the ipad because right. the experience of using the ipad was just so much more pleasant yeah because editing a podcast is a thing like a kind of laid back thing right you're not actively like editing at yeah. all times you're mostly just listening back and then every once in a while I go in and make some quick adjustments so the ipad was just more comfortable for that so now that I can use Logic on the iPad, maybe that's something I would try. Yeah, like exactly. Said, because for a month. the one app that I use a lot also these days on my iPad is Lightroom. Mm. Because the mm, screen yeah. on an iPad Pro is incredible. And editing photos, uh, especially if you have a lot of like little marks to... Uh, brush away is really chill on an iPad because you have the pen and you can just sit down somewhere and it's kind of you know like it usually takes a lot of time and it's a bit of a boring process as well like similar to like reading back mm-hmm. to recordings like you can kind of relax while doing it you don't have to be at your computer so Lightroom they actually took it to iPhone as well you can do everything you can do on the iPad or computer also on your iPhone which I think is incredible um, but that's more like on the go shit. I really have to fin, yeah, change or finish something. That's really chill. But like my main source where I use this app is on my iPad for sure. Maybe that's it. That's a uh, an iPad. Uh, the iPad is the device for. It's not like work or not work or consumption. Is no, it can be used for work, but work that is chill. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if it's work that is chill, the iPad is perfect. Anything yeah, that to be requires able- like keyboard shortcuts are like be just very precise and quick yeah no not not just use a computer for that yeah exactly you have to be able okay. to sit on the sofa for sure yeah exactly hey that's how steve jobs introduced the whole thing he had a little couch on stage and every <laughs> oh, time yeah. he would demo the ipad 
You'd sit on a little couch. <laughs> That's cute. Because you're not going to stand like using an iPad. Yeah. Anyway. See, we're using an iPad as, uh, you know, the guy who thought I'm up intended. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like the Messiah intended. Um, okay. We look at us doing tech news. Whoa. Um, I have a big juicy topic that I really want to talk to you about. But uh, I guess before we do, let's let's do a quick break uh, to talk about uh, one of our sponsors today. This episode of Layout is sponsored by Guide Guide. And if by now you're like, wait, Rafa, isn't uh, Guide Guide that that plug-in with the with the grids and the yes, the answer is yes. <laughs> I'm so excited about this. So Guide Guide is this plugin to create super powerful grids and guides. And I think the reason why this is so popular is it gives you a lot of flexibility uh, around where to create grids, when, what kind. It goes way further beyond whatever the whatever tool you're using, like the built-in options. And this is a plugin that's been around since 2010. So yes, probably whoever designers you look up to, uh, I bet they've used Guide Guide at some point. <laughs> So I think this this is a brilliant product for three reasons. And these are all my personal reasons. I'm not reading from an ad read or whatever. So first, it's really good if you're a super like grid nerd. <laughs> you want to create super custom grids because you can do that. You can create um, all kinds of grids, like all kinds of weird and complex and whatever. You can kind of program your own grid. To be honest, I, I'm not smart enough to use this, but uh, this they call it the grid form allows you to generate like grids using concepts like columns, rows, and gutters, and whatever, and you can add math. And so, if you're super into grids, use this because you can you can create whatever grid you want, way more than uh, whatever default boring grids. You don't want to be that person. But if you are like me, uh, second reason why I think this is genius. Uh, usually grids are like something that I personally don't use a lot because it feels very rigid and you have to use it like at the artboard level or whatever at the beginning of a project and that's not really how I think. So I love this plugin and I use it in a way that like I select something, either an element or my own like little selection and I create guides and grids around that. So let's say instead of me starting a project by setting up a grid, no, I'll just create the the the, the nav bar and then I'll create like two guides at the edge of that and then align everything around that. Or like if I if I want to align something with the midpoint of this one element, I can easily create these guides that help me a lot. Um, so that's the second reason why I think it's brilliant. It's good for nerds who are super into grids and the nerds who are not at all into grids or guides. Uh, and the third reason why I think this is brilliant is because this is, again, I, I mentioned this, it's a side project that's been around since 2010, um, and it created Cameron, who you probably have seen their work, because they, they've like illustrated uh, all the those original Octocats uh, for GitHub, remember those? Yep, that Cameron. Uh, he's been he's been working on this since 2010, and recently um, he went full time indie to work on this project and other projects. And that is just that's just that just warms my heart, um, and also it's very inspiring. So it's it's a really 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 cool project, and they have a super cool 20% discount off their the, they call it the Polymath tier. Um, for listeners of this show. So for you, layouties, is that what we're calling you? Uh, it is now. You can go to guideguide.me slash layoutfm and you get 20% off. And uh, go check out their their, their marketing site. 
Um, Cameron is a super funny, uh, cool guy, and this is a super funny, cool project that's been around forever. This is this is design history, you know. So go check it out again. Guideguide.me slash layoutfm, and then the promo code is applied automatically if you if you go to check out. Um, and uh, oh, I didn't mention, but uh, the, this plugin is available for for Sketch and also for Photoshop, Illustrator, InDesign. Um, so whatever you're using, go 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 check that out. And our huge thanks to Cameron and Guy Guide for coming on and sponsoring Layout. And we're back. And we're back. Okay, Freddie. Freddie, we we need to talk. Last time you were on the show, we just we just pointed out that it's been a while. Uh, it has been so long that we, last time I think I introduced you, like this is Frederica, my friend, and she's an amazing illustrator. <laughs> um, you, you've most likely seen her work. Uh, and we talked a lot about, like, again, what you just mentioned, the, the tools you use on the iPad and whatever you do to you, do your work. If I were to introduce you now for the first time, would I still say you're an illustrator? Because I stopped doing that. I, say I would say it's a side friend. note. <laughs> it's a side note, I would say. Um, the is a side note. Look, the way that I work right now, my model, say, like the way I make money, like, because... Art is really cool, but in the end, it's still business, right? Like, we're still trying to, you know, pay rent and all those things. Um, the way that I work right now is that I... This has recently changed, actually, but I used to have one client that I worked with for a really long time. Like, they were, like, my steady client. I was on a retainer with them. I would work for them mm -hmm. one day a week. And that would cover my rent, um and that made me so i was free to do other stuff like art and uh spe specifically for art i think it's really nice to be in a position where you don't have to think commercially right because mm -hmm. yes we're running a business but i don't want to be thinking which painting will sell really well because i transitioned into painting in basically in the pandemic And this is like something that I really wanted to do for a really long time, but I was really afraid of it because I was like, well, I didn't go to school for that. And that seems really like one of those things that you really have to study for a long time. And, you know, you have you can't just go and do it was what I was thinking. Mm. Turns out you kind of can. But what I did for myself is I kind of like made my own do it yourself art school. So I made myself a little program for that. And oh, wow. Um, like like what? Can you can you go into detail on that? Like for instance, like? the first year or maybe year two years, I only painted the same subject. I only painted that darn hand. <laughs> um, love that, the hand that I that I have here in my office. Yeah. Love I love the hand. hand. But the hand um was a vehicle for me to always know what to paint so i never had to think about the subject of the painting i never had to think right. what am i gonna make or whatever i could just focus so on i could just focus on technique yeah that's that's smart you you effectively get rid of the a huge hurdle famously exactly. of like the the white the blank page syndrome right you don't know where to start like yeah and i also have this thing in my personality where i just love repetition It's just a thing that I always have enjoyed a lot. So this was also kind of like, you know, like searching how far can I take this, you know? 
<laughs> like, is this going to be my art career? For a while, I thought it was possible that I was just ever only going to paint hands. Um, but, you know, things change and, you know, I go through phases and this phase was just over. Um, but it really taught me a lot of stuff. And so it brought me to a point where I could, I felt confident in focusing on what I should paint rather than how I should paint. Um, and so, yeah, I did multiple things like this. I read a few books about art, like the story of art, like you have to read it. You have to kind of know this is like a basic book. It's almost like the Bible. It writes about mostly men um, that did stuff in art from like the Middle Ages to like, you mm -hmm. know, I, all art ever, basically. Um, yeah, so I just looked up like what kind of books do you have to read in if you're in art school and I bought those books and made myself familiar with them. And sometimes they're incredibly boring. <laughs> sometimes you have to substitute some stuff because it feels a bit dusty and old. Like for instance, the story of art, art, not with a D. Um, there is a writer, actually the book's right here. Uh, Katie Hessel wrote this book, which is the story of art without men. <laughs> nice. And that's like a thing that I added there into myself because the, the the original book has literal like one woman in it, like the whole thing, which is a bit sad. Um, but yeah, long story short, like I kind of made a little curriculum for myself. I think I'm in year three now. So I'm about to graduate <laughs> from my own art school. <laughs> well, and in I my mind, you've already graduated with, with flying colors because... Damn, it's so impressive to see. <laughs> yeah, like like you said, it was around the beginning of the pandemic, kind of. Yeah. That I saw you start, you know, play, experiment, you know, just like start painting these things. Yeah. These hands. And it was so cool. And then it felt like it was really fast. It went from, hey, look, I'm painting to... I have my own studio. Like, to I have my own store. To I, I have my work in a gallery in yeah. the UK somewhere. And it's just like holy pants. So it was so it's so incredible and impressive to see you grow. And yeah, it really felt like uh, I don't know. Maybe more than more like tech areas like design and illustration. This felt it feels very genuine again because there's no. There's usually there's no like motivation as a, in the form of money or right. success recognition. It's usually th th these type of like art projects, especially in the beginning, is really motivated and driven by just a, a an interest, a passion. Yeah, a, a, it's like interest, know, intrinsic values. I I always hate yeah. saying that word, um, but no, yeah, that's very true because um, starting an art career is kind of dumb, like. Mm -hmm. You know, like, it's not very much, it's like saying I'm going to be a singer or something. Like, it's not very, you know, like, not very few people succeed, let's put it that way. And I was not formally trained and I didn't have these contacts in the art scene. I barely even know how the art scene works. It's a wild place. It's very crazy. Um, it's hard to navigate, especially in the beginning. I don't really he even have that many art friends. I have a few and... Um, they sometimes help me with stuff and fuck, love them for that because sometimes I'm just not sure how, like, and a gallery will approach you and you're like, oh my God, that's so fucking cool. And then you Google it a little bit and then you're like, oh, wow, Vanity Gallery, what does that mean? And 
that means that you have to pay to have your work in the place. Oh, do it for exposure. Exactly. <laughs> exposure. Yeah. No, no, no. I will pay them. You'll pay them. <laughs> yeah. So it's like even wilder than yeah. for exposure. Um, so it, these are all things that I had to learn like rapidly. But because I did this, because I kind of like started working in the, from this idea that I was in art school, but my own art school. Um, I also therefore let go of the idea that I would have to be in a gallery to mean something. Uh, that I would have to have some sort of, you know, like, yeah, some sort of landmark things should happen. Otherwise, this is bullshit. No, like, because I'm still in art school. No one expects to be anywhere really before they graduated. So that kind of really chilled it. And it did help that people, there were a lot of people very enthusiastic about what I was doing. And people are actually also buying my arts via my own website, which is really great. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's uh, that's probably like a thing that afflicts our whole generation of the you can be anything you can do everything you you heart desire and then you do see people like in those formative years around college or whatever like maybe some of them would like to pursue art but the the pressure to make a living and stuff it's just a big turn off and then some people say or think like either I go full on try to be an artist or I have to give that up like entirely. Yeah. Uh, when it's like so much more fluid, like you don't have to just f- to focus on one thing or give up your art or whatever for a more corporate money making job. Uh, exactly. And I think it's, you know, what you've been doing is like, it's not like you just completely gave up on everything else in your life and your career to do art. It's like, no, it started as a little, you know, school project if you will like, you know like i want to it really it, started you know, as I, a hobby yeah. yeah yeah i never intended this to be the thing that i do full-time it's a bit of a blessing and a curse to be fair because yeah it is i do have to make my rent still and you know like i can't be like hobbying four days a week and only working one day a week uh, and especially right now that the tech industry is far less of a endless place of work and money and greatness and amazingness and so many people are being laid off and maybe your contact at this company got laid off too like then basically you're also laid off like it's a bit scarier but Mm. in times like i really freaked out honestly like when the whole tech industry started melting i was like i still really need this i still really want to do illustration on the side i still really want to you know like have both really um, but I'm just yeah. more focused on one of them right now. So I was like, oh, I did this to myself. Like, I only show paintings anymore. People barely know that I do illustrations. Like, you know, my reputation is now just like that I'm something else. Like, of course, they're not hiring me. But it seems to be a bit of a wider issue in the illustration scene right now, which is a bit scary. But I'm sure I'll figure a way out of this as well. Um, I forgot what I was going towards. <laughs> It's okay. So I'm I'm really curious of because you were not just doing illustration, but you were like working in tech, yeah, effectively. And now that that doesn't take up like most of your day to day and your life, have you gained some like perspective and some distance from that world? Like, are you? Do you feel like you're kind of in the outs of that whole? Because I feel like this is a little bubble. It kind of yeah 
there's some distortion feel happening of like we just think this is how the world works and all the money and all the startup bullshit yeah <laughs> that's I'm, definitely I'm changing guilty of yeah Do it's you, definitely changing how, what is it like on the other side <laughs> um it's yeah as i said it's a bit scary sometimes because it used to be like my reliable body you know that i i could rely on um but i mean i think you can clearly see that a lot of companies overhired mm-hmm. and we're going into a period where we're trying to figure out if maybe machines can do the mundane tasks like i don't think machine is got machine learning or ai or whatever is gonna take over design but it's gonna take over the mundane annoying you know little bit tasks it's gonna make things possible that we haven't had before Uh, and i think a lot of people are trying to figure out how can we use this technology for the good of our company for the good of our investors pockets (laughs) do you feel like not to be too techie or whatever but the tech industry and design is like not freaking out but very much uh thinking about ai and the impact that that has on the world i i would assume that very similarly in the art scene like just how much this this technology can disrupt the the art industry you know um i was thinking about yeah definitely because i'm very interested in what ai can do and what ai can do for me as well um Mm. and i've definitely played around a lot with like things like mid journey and uh, dolly and stuff like that but i don't think personally that they're gonna impact the art world especially not like people that paint because there is um i think it could assist in ways like i think it could help me generate sketches or ideas but i don't think I don't think I'm ever going to be like compelled to use the digital image over the physical because my paintings are very physical. They have a lot of texture and I feel like they're best enjoyed in real life. Um, yeah. I think fine art point. is also fine art is about something else than making an image. I think for illustration, it can definitely, especially commercial illustration, it can definitely be a bit more scary. What I'm mostly scared of is the combination of AI image generating software and capitalism, because I think that there's going to be a lot of managers in places that are going to be like, the AI thing is good enough. And then we keep the very little money that they were usually paying to people to do the illustration. Uh, Because what they gain is uh, control. Mm -hmm. Uh, and if you don't really care about how good something is or how fitting it is, then uh, I think it's going to be f- good enough. So I'm a little bit afraid that like our uh, visual language that is surrounding us will get a little bit less good, if you know what I mean. I do. I think so. So that's mainly my depressing. concern with this. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't think, I didn't think about the fact that like yeah uh, painting is the output is a physical well output physical item so yeah. in that in that way you're kind of protected from ai less so like like you pointed out illustration or even like music right like you know we've seen ai do a bunch of you know or not original like songs in the style yeah. of but or Drake or whatever. i think the the other side of that is also that like 
we still really love live music, right? Like live music is so much a thing. I think it even grew in the last like few years. Like it's more of a thing that people like. And I think, yeah, cool that you can generate a song, but can you also play it? I th- oh, honestly, I think it's less about uh, live music as in I'm playing this live as in like the live show. Like, right. F- I don't know if we went to just see Taylor Swift and there's no actual musicians like playing guitars on stage, but she's there singing, I guess. Like that's yeah. good enough. That's what we people want. Yeah. So but I, I yeah. am, I am when I'm at the show and the people are actually playing stuff like it's special. Yeah. Like sometimes even they bring like, I don't know, brass, uh, how do you say brass instruments and violins and whatever, like more than you would yeah. get on a CD or whatever. I think maybe, maybe it's going to exist. It's definitely going to exist both, but I think we're going to feel that it's extra special when it's actually being played by people. Uh, yeah. Some people are saying like, Oh, at some point we'll like get a label that says handmade art or something or <laughs> human generated yeah, human made yeah. <laughs> um, but i think i think we shouldn't really dwell too much on the whole image generating thing because the image generator it's really impressive but it's almost like an art form on itself um and it's a style on itself as well and i also think this is really a topic that a lot of people are talking about because it's for the first time that AI has outputted something very logical. Suddenly people understand what's happening a little bit more. It's less abstract what I'm trying to say. Like maybe AI was more like doing mundane tasks usually, like mining data or stuff like that. Um, Uh And now suddenly it's something that you can do and your grandma could see and you could laugh on a meme that you made yourself or something. It's all for the memes. Yeah. I, so I guess to answer the que- my question of what is it like to move away from tech, <laughs> it's kind of like you can't because all these problems like AI yeah. is very much still present uh, <laughs> in other industries. Yeah, I guess definitely uh, everything is tech. Yeah, everything is tech. Like tech is not you know it used to be this like cool thing that was like kind of niche, and now it's like everywhere. Like everyone has an iPhone. Mm. It's not special to have you know interest in tech anymore but you know that's fine i think that's good this episode is once again sponsored by userbit userbit you know it's a platform designed to cater to your entire ux research and design workflow you can gather and analyze qualitative data create evidence-backed insights and deliver your research using specialized ux tools that are all on one collaborative platform with Userbit, you can say goodbye to the hassle of jumping between multiple apps to get the job done. Their cloud-based platform allows you to collaborate with your team in real time, and there's no limit to how many team members you can invite, so go ahead and democratize your research with no constraints. Userbit features a variety of time-saving automations to expedite laborious tasks within the research workflow. You can transcribe your user interviews in 20-plus different languages or automatically tag keywords and phrases across your data from service interviews and more. And then Userbit takes care, of, takes care of all that repetitive manual tasks so your team can focus on what they do best, which is to create delightful experiences for your customers, hopefully. Also, their discovery portal 
is super customizable. Uh, you can customize the, the, the portal to match your branding. You can make it easy for stakeholders to consume insights without any learning curve. Um, this means faster decision-making and more buy-in from key decision-makers. Also, lastly, UserBit offers a variety of, of tools to help you deliver um, your research and insights the way you know how. So either by creating uh, personas with evidence from your research, there's tools to like showcase pain points in your user's journey map, or even conducting live card sort studies. Um, so there's a bunch of tools and it's, it's really incredible. So to check it out, go, uh, go to their website. That's userbit.com userbit.com and uh, our huge thanks to Userbit for uh, sponsoring Layout. Okay, Freddie, we kind of need to wrap it up. Yes. Do we want to do recommendations before we do? Ooh, so... I mean, this is a bit of a shit recommendation. I feel that ah, I'm already like fucking it. No, um, because I know everyone's watching Succession, right? Like yes. I'm eating it up. Like I'm really enjoying the thing where it's also like live every Sunday or Monday in the Netherlands. Um, but I'm really enjoying that <laughs> hey, pace. Thank of you. Not- Wait, thank you for, for bringing that up because I think people in the US don't really understand this. Yeah. <laughs> like Sunday night shows... Like, yeah, Succession, but also it was the same case for The Last of Us or like Game of Thrones before that or whatever. Sunday night. For us, it's Monday night. So hold your horses with your spoilers and your tweets because think about the rest of the world. Yeah. Um, yeah. I read I read the Logan one before it happened accidentally (gasps) on Twitter. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, the thing that I want to recommend is not Succession itself. It is the Succession podcasts um because i only learned about it later when the season was already happening which is fun because i get got to listen back to like a few episodes um because i love listening to a lot of podcasts um and it's just really nice because they do interviews with both the actors from the show and with someone from real life that has an idea of how this would go so they had an interview with the former tech CEO, uh, tech CEO, Twitter CEO, not Jack, but the other one. Um, and they were talking about like, if that guy Metzen on the show is realistic or not mm-hmm. <laughs> and how a tech deal like that would happen in real life. So that was really fun. It's like, it has two legs. It's about the actor and then about the real life. And I thought it was really fun. So I like that. It feels realistic to me, even though I, I have had some exposure to like some of these, you know, CEOs and some of that. But I, you know, I don't really know what it's like. But I do believe that it's like this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> As in all of these big, powerful, usually men, but people that kind of run the world, right around like media and tech and all this. They're all a bunch of buffoons that like have no yeah. idea what how this shit works or like way too full of themselves without the ability to 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 understand that they're being fools. Like Yeah. It's not like they're acting like they know their shit. No, they truly believe like they know their shit and exactly. they know what they're doing. Their privilege they is so in the way, like they they yeah. just don't understand what people are actually going through. Anyway, do you listen to the podcast? No, no. I I, I should, though. I never got into the habit of listening to these. Although I did with The the Last of Us, and that was good. So I should 
I should. You should I've try been, it. It's a good season, though. It's uh, I've been enjoying it. Yeah, it's um, really good. And that's why characters like 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 cousin Greg are nice because he's trying to like less so in these seasons. Now he's kind of like you know part one, just another one of them. But he was like trying to like yeah. play that role. He's definitely um, still a little slimy, I would say. Yeah, no, he's uh, yeah, he's he's again, he's one of the family now. Yeah. Um. So yeah, okay, that's your recommendation. Succession yes. Season. What? What is this? Season three. Four. Four? Three. Three. Yeah. Four. Okay. Good stuff. I I I struggled to find a recommendation this week, um, but uh, one one thing that I've been playing a lot is um. Star Wars Jedi Survivor game. I think that's the actual title. Whatever the new Star Wars game. Um, it's a sequel to... Was it Fallen Order? Fallen Knight? Whatever. It's a sequel to the game that came before it. <laughs> uh, and it's really... It's it's entertaining. It's like a really uh, above average game. It's not incredible. It's not brilliant. But it's just good enough that it will keep you entertained. And if you're okay. into Star Wars, it's nice. Because the the... The story of this is now canon. It's, it's you know, a canon Star Wars story. It takes place around the, um, it's the exactly the, around the same time as the Obi Wan show took place. Um, so it's like right in the middle between the prequels and the and the original trilogy. Yeah, I hope. And uh, yeah, it's it's a fun little game. I've just been trying like to beat it fast before. Um, the new Zelda game comes out this Friday. Yeah, I was gonna say, oh my god, I can't so wait. <laughs> I have pre-ordered been, it. Yeah, I, it was this. It was the Horizon DLC, Fallen. Wait, whatever, Burning Shores it's called, which I also really enjoyed. So I've just been like busy, just playing these games and like get them out of the way um, before Zelda before, comes before, out. <laughs> before Zelda. And then so there's excited. also oh. Diablo Four coming out in a month. Yeah, see, I'm not. A, I've never been a Diablo uh, fan. I've never really got into those games. But yeah, I hear it's a big deal. It at, yeah. at our work Slack, uh, people are going crazy for it. <laughs> I mean, same. I never played it until it came out for Switch, and ah. it's really good. Diablo three is really good. Diablo two is really good. It's really old. It's really fun. Anyway, okay. But hey, speaking of Zelda, I do have another recommendation. Just you just reminded me of it. I've in preparation for the new game, um, the official Nintendo YouTube channel released like a story recap uh, video. It's like six minutes. Oh, that's um, good. Just again, just just a little recap of the story of Breath of the Wild to get you ready for for the new one. Um, but six minutes—that's nothing. I bet someone can do better than that. <laughs> and uh, this this YouTube channel called Zeltic—they've um, released. A one hour long, effectively the same video, like a recap of the whole Zelda story. Wow! Uh, in in preparation for for the new one, and it's really really good. One hour sounds like crazy. That's that's like a, a succession episode, but it's really really easy to to watch. It's like really well written, entertaining, and I watched the whole thing. Um, so we're gonna put links in the show notes for for both yeah. of those, I guess. I'm definitely gonna watch uh, that. Yeah, do it. It's actually I've played Breath of the Wild, I've beat it, and there were still things that like it wasn't clear for, to me when I played it, like just in terms of plot and stuff. Oh my god! Like, like the story is sometimes so vague. I've played this oh, game for five hundred hours. Like I went ham on it, 
I've never been Gammon, actually. Gannon. <gasps> what? Um, yeah, I know. I just never really wanted it to end. You know that feeling? Um, and yeah. I like. I think I need this recap because I... Phew, man, there is so much to this lore that I never really Seriously. caught. I... Honestly, and again, I beat it. I played the whole thing. I didn't like like a hundred percent it. Like if that's a verb, I never like collected all the Korok seeds or whatever. Oh my god, I, it's impossible! Nine hundred and fifty. Yeah, nine hundred and fifty Korok seeds. Fuck that's that. crazy. No, uh, but, but like, I yeah. The, so did you know that like was was it like ten thousand years before the events of Breath of the Wild, Ganon appeared and they like the Shika Society people. They've beat it with right. all the technology, and that's where all the like the divine beasts came from and all that tech. And then throughout history, the Sheikah civilization kind of got like, ugh, I don't want to recap the whole thing. You know what? Just watch the video. Anyway, all this to say, there were like a lot of story beats that I've uh, either I just forgotten or I really didn't never really got. Like, it yeah. Never the confusing. stories are quite long, the cutscenes, and I have to admit, sometimes I would just like skip. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, we can't skip cutscenes. <laughs> Blasphemy. All right. I know. Okay, so um, I guess I know what my recommendation is going to be next episode. But <laughs> for now, I'll leave it with these videos and the uh, Jedi game if you're into that. And uh, yeah, let's let me do the outro. Um, yes. You can find links to all the things we mentioned in our show notes on our website, it's layout.fm. You can stay in touch by following the show and ourselves. I want to say a Mastodon, but Freddie, I'll ask you. But we are at Layout and at Rafa and at Kevin on Mastodon.design. Freddie, where, where, where are you uh, tweeting, skeeting, tooting these days? I am on Blue Sky and on posts right now the most. Mm. Okay. Um, but I'm always on Twitter and on Instagram too. Um, Mastodon really doesn't stick for me. It feels too tech male dominated. Right, Shane? Sure. Yeah, I get um, it. I, I'm still looking like it, it feels like we, we don't know yet like what, what, where, where people are going to land and settle. And, but I like I'm, Blue I'm Sky. everywhere. I'm on Blue Sky. I don't understand Blue Sky. Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to to post there. Like, I, <laughs> it's too chaotic for me. Memes, uh, your ass. I don't know. Who knows? Seriously, yeah. I, I need to start posting my ass on there uh, to be part of the crew. Uh, yeah, because like it feels inappropriate to post about tech or work there. <laughs> yeah, I will still keep doing that because why the fuck not? Um, I'm sure yeah. people will appreciate it anyway. <laughs> uh, so we will see. Also, I'm on post, but I also. Post it, it's too work focused. Right? Yeah. It's like the opposite of Blue Sky. Right. Blue Sky is like all the memes, and the post is like, wait, it's supposed to be work. Why, why are you posting about your butt? Or but it's so wholesome on posts. I don't know what it is, but everyone's so supportive, and like, you know, it's very work focused, which is not my favorite, but you know, it feels very supportive and cute there. Yeah, fair enough. Anyway, Mastodon is kind of working for me. Just because the clients like I'm running ivory everywhere and that feels right. nice. Right. And I'll I will give I, it an, I, another try. I'm on there, but I'm just not very active yeah. right now. Well, if you are, you can follow the show at Layout. Um, <laughs> at Layout <laughs> at Mastodon Design. The show was edited by Laura Kond, and our music is from Guillermo Silva. And our thanks to our sponsors this week, uh, Guide Guide and Userbit. Check them out again. Links in the show notes. And uh, Freddie, I guess you said people can follow you, but but if people want to check out your work, 
Uh, you mentioned you have a store, yeah. online store. Where, where, where is that? Where can people go? At frederikamatti.shop. <laughs> links in the show it, notes. <laughs> exactly. I will put the links in the show notes as well. <laughs> cool. yeah. Freddy, thanks so much for subbing in um, for Kevin. I, I guess we didn't even mention like why Kevin isn't here. <laughs> Kevin is traveling um, and couldn't really, uh, you know, uh, bring microphones and do all that. So, so that's that's why Freddie is why here. I'm here. And we're glad she is. And uh, okay, I'll I'll talk to everyone uh, on the next one. Yes. Bye, bye, friends. bye, bye Freddie. Thanks. Bye. Bye.